What is good guys, welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week as well as our reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu along with Tammet and we have a lot to talk about so let's get started. A team that has been pretty surprising in the NBA but for the wrong reasons, the Golden State Warriors, the defending champions, have a record of 4-7 and seven, and just this past week they were in the midst of a 5 game losing streak before a win against Sacramento on Monday night. So. The defending champions right now, we all expected them to come out on fire. They basically had everyone back from that championship roster back on their team this season. But the wins have not been coming in with the same roster. So what do you think is the cause for the Warriors struggle recently? Honestly, I think it's a lack of chemistry between the players. And it's not because they're all necessarily new. But we knew how this season was starting. And... It started with an unfortunate situation with Jamon Green and Jordan Poole, and I think things, they attempted to patch things up somewhat. It's just, there's not a lot of clarity between the team. And so, I think any locker room issues will kind of divide the team into perspectives of, like, maybe who you side with, who you don't side with, and stuff like that. Preferences as to who you pass to on the team. It's just, there's so many things that can evolve because of small things like that. And so, while there's no clear answer, I'm going to go with chemistry issues. For me, I think the inconsistency on defense is the root of their problems right now. Gary Payne II last year, he was a great defensive player for the Warriors, but his departure to Portland, we kind of see how the Warriors are affected by that departure. Payton last year, he was that main guy that was going to guard the opposing best players. Although he was only like six foot one, six foot two, he had a really big frame, really strong. He was able to become a nuisance for uh, opposing players. However, his departure has the Warriors ranked pretty low in defensive terms in the NBA right now. And I think his loss is being felt pretty drastically in this NBA, uh, in the Warriors team right now. Uh, without Gary Payton, they don't really have that player that can just solely focus on defense. Everyone on the Warriors right now that plays, um, they do play great defense, but they also have a responsibility on offense, whether that's Clay trying to become that three-point shooter, Wiggins becoming you know, the second option, trying to slash, create, and also spot up and shoot. So all of them have um, offensive responsibilities and designations. For Gary Payton last year, I felt like his main role was just to play defense. Like on offense, yeah, he'll spot in the corner, shoot some threes, but his main role was to just play defense, and that was it. So he was able to put 100% effort. And you know if you play the game of basketball, Yes, you could try as much as you want on defense, but if you have to play a role on offense too, and if you have a pretty big role too, if you're like Clay, Curry, and Wiggins, you can't really play all of your effort onto defense because then you're going to get tired and your offense is not going to be up to par. So I think the defense right now is not great. And players that were usually known for their defense, just they don't simply have that dog in them anymore. The, the way that they've been moving in years past, they just don't have that same physicality, the same movement. I think their speed is just getting slower. Uh, for example, Clay Thompson, we know he suffered those two career-ending injuries. He came back, and he just hasn't been that same Clay that we've been used to seeing. The Clay that's able to shoot the three ball really well and just lock up any other star players on the other team. We just haven't seen that same Clay Thompson be that great on defense and on offense either. And another player as well, Andre Iguodala. I know you haven't heard that name in a minute, Kaden, but Andre Iguodala, he just hasn't been playing. I'm not sure if it's injury or he's just, you know, sitting on the bench, but he was a big factor in the Warriors' run in years past, mainly because of his defense, and he just hasn't been seeing the court. But another thing also been seeing as well for this Warriors team is the youngsters have not been progressing like they're supposed to. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, first of all, has not developed a jump shot to contribute to this Warriors team. And he just needs the ball to be able to be effective, whether that be trying to slash and try to create. But 
him as a spot-up shooter is just not it for his, his role. And that's really severely ruining his chances of touching the court at all because right now the Warriors need players that can shoot and, and help Steph Curry out. And Kuminga is just not there to space the floor, so he has not been progressing. And James Wiseman, I think he's we could all say he's been pretty disappointing this year. He has not been progressed as that number two pick that the Warriors drafted him in 2020. And he just doesn't seem to be interested sometimes. Like when he's on the court, um, he's not really diving to the rim when he sets screens. He's not really rebounding the ball. He's not really chasing after rebounds. There's there's multiple times in the five-game losing streak where a shot goes up and he just looks at the ball and the offense and the the opposing team grabs the rebound and puts it right back for the offensive rebound. So Wiseman, he just seems disinterested. He needs some fire under him to get him going. And Moses Moody, even though he hasn't really been seeing the court, I think he's the most fitted player out of the young players right now. Uh, although he doesn't get that much minutes, I think he's a great shooter. He's able to create, and I think he could also play some defense, but right now he just doesn't see the minutes, and Jordan Poole as well. Struggling to find his shot and groove this season. Last year, he was in the run to become the sixth man of the year, but this year, he just you know his shots aren't falling. He's still out of control. The same glaring weaknesses we saw last year from Jordan Poole he still hasn't fixed them in the offseason. Two things. I wanted to focus on the team specifically in which they lost to because I feel like that's a driving factor in this as well. Like To really put into like account like how bad they're playing right now. They're, these losses came from teams like the Orlando Magic, the Detroit Pistons, the Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo Ball. It's just like if you won the finals... If you won the championship, like, you're trying to come back the same, like, the next year and do the same exact thing. Like, I can't put enough emphasis on that. But I feel like the most contributing factor to why they're not playing, maybe as good as they would like, is that, like, the focal point of their defense throughout years past would be through Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Klay Thompson, I feel like, when coming back from injury, has been so focused to come become that player he used to be on offense and maybe not trying to work as hard as the uh, on defense. And I, I don't, obviously, that's this, I'm, I'm here judging while he's on the court actually doing these things. I have no, like, I shouldn't be able to say these things. But I in, in what I've seen on the court so far this season from Clay, it's just a lack of effort. So I don't know really what's going on in that regard. But yeah, also with Draymond Green too, I don't know if age is starting to become, like, a prevalent factor within him. But his defense has not been the all-NBA defense that we've seen throughout his career. So two of your main pieces on defense, you really don't have like an all-NBA defender or really, for that matter, just any like dominant defender that you can, you can say, oh, their best player will be guarded by this guy. That's something that can be a very big problem for this team because we know their offense, offensive capabilities, but if you're not able to play defense, that's half of basketball. So... You can't win if you can't play defense, simply said. Oh, definitely. I think also the injury to Dante DiVincenzo, um, he's kind of all-around Swiss Army Knife player for the Warriors team, and I think he went out in like the first two, three games of the season, so he's still battling injuries. I think he's a really big component off the bench for the Warriors. He's able to shoot, he's able to defend, he's able to do just everything on the court, and I think they're really missing his defensive capabilities as well. And I also think, too, with the Warriors, def- uh, on terms of defense, the rotations aren't really there. We saw last year in the playoffs, in the regular season, like, their rotations on defense was phenomenal. Like, they're able to get to shooters, they're able to rotate, get through, get back on defense, get back to the rolling pick man, and they're just able to get out. They're basically, like, everywhere. But just this year, I feel like the rotations are off. 
they're leaving people open in the corners. They're leaving people inside in the paint. So something has to be done with Steve Kerr trying to get back to the Warriors, coaching them back to how they were in the championship last year. But if you're the Warriors, what can they do to get back to the championship team we've always been seeing? It starts with communication. The most important thing for defense is for you to be able to communicate with your teammates and not have any like problems when, in doing so. I feel like communication in that regard has been not prevalent for the Warriors, whether it's the team defense like that you were talking about that they've had in years past that pushes teams to move the ball and eventually forces turnovers and pass break scenarios. We haven't seen that at all this year. And so it starts with communication. If Draymond Green hasn't been the vocal guy that he used to be because he's taken a step back due to things that he may have occurred in the offseason and training camp, he needs to be that guy again. It doesn't matter that you're maybe lost a bit of respect from your teammates for knocking out one of your teammates. It's You still need to be that same competitor that you've always been in the past and try to lead the defense in that regard. So I think that definitely the most important thing for them to fix is their communication as it's the foundation for defense in general. I think the Warriors need to find identity back on defense like we've seen in years past. In years before in the championship runs they had, they were always near the top in the NBA in defense, maybe top five, top three, maybe even the best defense in the NBA. Um, right now, they just have not been in that same defensive identity as they always been. They're like trying to outscore opponents. They're trying to put up more points. But the route to all their success in the championship runs was defense, defense, defense. They pride themselves in defense, getting stops, and getting back on offense and scoring. Um, they just need to get back to that. And I, I feel like if they get back to that defensive identity, they're able to get back to their winning ways. And also, they need to rekindle that fire from all the young players, such as Poole, Kuminga, and Wiseman. Um, the reason why they were able to win that championship last year was not only because of Steph Curry and Clay in that big three, but the young players stepped up tremendously, whether that be Jordan Poole in the minutes that he played. Kuminga played valuable minutes as well when he was on the court. So all these young players that were added to the rotation last year that helped on the championship run, I feel like this year they kind of took a step back because they got contracts and they got the championship. And we all know it's hard to go back-to-back and even um, a three-peat because that fire when you had in their champ- in your first championship run, it starts to slow down, it starts to get stale because you already tasted success. And with players such as Poole and Wiggins, they got immense contract extensions. So now they don't have to chase for the bag. They already have the money they need and they already got that championship success touch in their hands. So... Because of all of that, they're kind of getting stale. They're getting complacent. They're not really hungry for that new fire, for that championship win. So someone needs to get back and t- you know restart that fire. Whether that be Draymond getting on them, trying you know, holding the, all of them accountable, they just need someone to start that fire right back up. I agree completely. I don't think it's like there's enough said that the young players did in that finals run last year that they haven't been able to do this year. And of, of course, the intensity in the playoffs has picked up a lot. But it's no excuse to start out a season this way. As you, as you said, the effort that I've seen from Jonathan Kuminga, Jordan Poole, um, even James Wiseman, for that matter, that I've seen like compar- comparable to the past, it's just not looking the same. I don't know if they're just relaxed now that they got those contracts, but it doesn't mean you have to. You need you now are able to stop working. You got the contracts, you got the security. Now, go and get another championship because I feel like these players lack the hungriness that they had maybe last year now that they got the security all right let's move on to the nfl week nine just finished a lot of great games let's start with the sunday night game the titans and the chiefs that was a pretty unexpected ending i would say 
Um, the Chiefs won in the OT Classic, but the Titans actually played a really phenomenal game. Credit they did lose to the Chiefs, but were with the expectations the Titans were, I think they played a really solid game. Um, what was your reaction? What was your analysis for this game? I really have so much to say about this game. Um, to start, I picked the Titans to win this last week. I think it was going to be a very competitive game. Um, it was. It was for a good chunk of the game. Although the Titans only had seven yards of offense in the second half in overtime. So it, it just shows that, like, no matter how well you play in one half, you can. It's a, a game is a tale of two halves. If you don't keep the same energy, the same just kind of intensity that you do in the first half, you're not going to win the game. And I don't know if I want to dive into this too much, but I had my own parlay that I had, yeah. and it fell. I lost $500 or lost out on $500 because of the the Titans eventually losing an OT. But I, I just – I you, you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's really what I learned from this experience It's that he – is a fortified MVP candidate and just the, even when these like players on the team aren't performing like I don't think we necessarily saw that much impact from Travis Kelsey or Clyde Edwards-Alaire it's really just Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things on that drive to go into OT and eventually tie the game we saw that third and 17 where he he ran it all the way himself he maneuvered all around the field in order to get that first down so I even though Patrick Mahomes may not be the no, most notorious running running quarterback, he has the capability to do so. And so there really isn't anything on the field that this man can't do, and that's what I feel like NFL fans are really starting to realize. Oh, definitely. And my takeaway for this game, the Titans defense is really starting to pick it up. Um, we saw throughout that game the Chiefs, uh, they kind of struggled to pass the ball in that first half, and because of that, Derrick Henry was able to eat and you know do Derrick Henry things, but. For the Titans, though, the defense is what's going to take them to the playoffs. Let's, let's be honest now. The defense is going to be the only reason why if they make the playoffs in that weak division. But they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. They're going to bounce in the first round if the offense is not going to pick up. Especially with the wide receivers. They just could not get open. They cannot get open. They cannot catch the football. It was Derrick Henry and the defense. And if Derrick Henry gets shut down, this Titans offense is really going to be stale. There's no there's still going to be no production from this offense. Derrick Henry was the only reason why they were winning that first half. He had, two, I think, two touchdowns in the first half, correct? Yes. So he was the only reason why they were able to put up points in the first half. And we all saw, we all know, you just said it right now, seven yards in the second half. The Chiefs started you know, putting players in the box, stopping Derrick Henry, because they started to realize, hey, these wide receivers can't get open. We're able to man, man them up and just have everyone collapse on Derrick Henry, and that's what they did. Derrick Henry wasn't able to get things going. We all know how the game turned out afterward. So for the Titans, they their wide receivers needs to get open. I'm not sure if that's through a trade. I mean, you can't do a trade anymore, but you, you need players to get open. Odell Beckham Jr., that's <laughs> the only t- wide receiver that you're going to get because Traylon Burks is on IR. Robert Woods really hasn't done anything for this team. I was really expecting him to kind of be the solidified number one wide receiver, but he has just been so uninvolved in this offense. It's crazy, so... Yeah, not a lot going for this t- uh, Titans team, but they do have if one of, if not the best, running back in the league. So that's their only bright spot to look on in offense, for sure. But I want to touch on uh, Malik Willis, actually. He kind of reminds me of a little Michael Vick. He's been actually, he looked pretty solid in that Chiefs game, I'm not going to lie. Although he you know couldn't get things going for passing yards, getting ball to wide receivers, but he was able to escape the pocket in a way where... It was kind of elusive, 
magical, kind of like Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, the way he was able to escape pressure from the pocket. I know those those last two, three possessions in overtime where he got sacked, but those sacks were because the players could not get open down the field. So he had to escape, try to make plays, try to keep the play going so he's able to find someone. And just there just wasn't anything open, and eventually, you know, the defense caught up to him. But the way he was able to try to make plays for himself, trying to, you know, continue down the play, it was kind of magical. It was just juking everyone out, running around in circles. But I think he has a great spot for this Titans offense. It was just a matter if wide receivers could get open because I think Malik Willis is going to be a great player for this Titans team. Yeah, after watching this game, I do not put this loss on Malik Willis at all. I think he actually had a very impressive game. I saw that one throw to Austin Hooper down toward the end zone that set up the Derrick Henry touchdown. Honestly, he's looking really good, and I'm 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 really liking the dual threat between him and Derrick Henry. The ability to just hand it off to Derrick Henry or fake it and just run your, run yourself like Lamar Jackson. He has. Not Lamar Jackson speed, but esque, if that makes sense. Like, he reminds me a lot of Lamar Jackson in the way that he's able to fake the defense into thinking that they're going to run it. And especially with the running back of Derrick Henry, that helps a lot too. And so it really opens up the field. I think that if they get a couple of nice receivers downfield, honestly, Austin Hooper's not a bad tight end. It's just they have no receivers. And so if they fix that up a little bit, the defense is looking really good. This has the potential to be a really good team. But they're a few pieces away for sure. And speaking of really good teams, I have a pretty bold take after the Week 9 week. I think the Jets and the Seahawks are actually going to make the playoffs for real this time. Um, I don't think they're going to be borderline. I don't think they have a 50-50 chance. I honestly think after Week 9, they solidified their chances of making the playoffs. So let's start with the Jets. They just beat arguably the best team in the football in the Buffalo Bills. And we all know this Bills offense. They have been going nuclear. They look unstoppable. And this Jets defense held the Bills to just 17 points on the on the day. They forced Josh Allen to throw for only 205 passing yards and two touchdowns. We know Josh Allen has the wheels. He did run for like around 100 yards for two touchdowns. But for the Jets, you cannot be upset with that. You forced Josh Allen to be uncomfortable in the pocket and forced him to run. And I think as the Jets defensive coordinator, that's what you want to do. You want Josh Allen to run and try to make plays for himself get him tired so he's not able to throw the ball because the only reason why he's running is because there's pressure and if you're having pressure that means he can't throw the ball downfield to wide receivers which I think was a huge positive for this Jets defense and this Jets secondary is is elite you have the linebackers and D-line they are mixed with both young and veteran players and they've been just causing havoc in the front seven we saw in that Jets game they forced Josh Allen multiple times to escape the pocket and just trying to make plays down the field and because of that this secondary has been so great. DJ Reed has been playing phenomenal. And Sauce Garner has been looking like the clear defensive rookie of the year so far. And we now saw that game-winning deflection on Gabe Davis. This Jets team is for real. I honestly, I don't think that you missed on anything there. I think that the Jets are really starting to pick it up. And I think Robert Sala has like progressively like gone through everything that this Jets team has gone through. And that's what makes it better. That's what makes this team more hungry because of the experience he has with this team. And being able to say that you drafted, like, I, I know Brees Hall got injured, but you drafted two of the best players that there was, or actually three uh, uh, players in their respective positions, I say are the best in the draft, going with Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Brees Hall. I think that this team is nothing short of a contender. And that really speaks volumes to this team. I think that at first, throughout the beginning of the season, 
they went through a little rough patch going i think falling to one and two but they've picked it up so so much since and honestly i can't say enough about uh the coaching and how that's benefited this team to this amount because the defense is on a different level right now i i really believe that but I think that the offense is starting to click too, and that's what's really making this team dangerous. Oh, definitely. I think that tra- that trade for James Robinson right when Brees Hall went down is honestly a huge positive for them. Um, we all know Brees Hall is that player. He was the running away for offensive rookie of the year before he went down, but now they have two really great running backs that could be that one-two punch combo with Michael Carter and now James Robinson. We all know what James Robinson can do. We saw in his rookie season, he rushed for over 1,000 yards on the Jaguars. So we know what he's capable of. He is a starter caliber running back on any team. And Michael Carter is also a great running back too. If you put him on any other team, he's also a starting running back. We saw what he did last year. He's a great running back. So you have that really one-two punch combo with the running backs. And your wide receivers, they're young, but they're also really great as well with Garrett Wilson, Zach Wilson. They're great players. They're going to be young. I don't think they're going to do anything in the playoffs because the playoffs are a different breed and they just don't have that experience. But this is a really great season for them. All the experience that they're accumulating right now is just going to benefit them more in the future. I agree completely. All right, let's move on to the Seahawks now. And they have just been getting it done on both ends of the football field. They just beat the Cardinals by 10, 31 to 21. And Geno Smith, we all know that Geno Smith was kind of labeled as a bust. He wasn't really that great quarterback. But with the departure of Russell Wilson, he's been stepping it up. He's not being the most flashy quarterback. He's not putting up amazing stats with like 400 yards, 300 yards with like five touchdowns. But weeks after weeks, he's just getting it done consistently. He doesn't cause too much turnovers. He's just getting the ball where it needs to be. And he's just been getting it done. But where it has been going off for the Seahawks offense is Kenneth Walker. With the injury to Rashard Penny, this guy has put on the chains and carried the Seahawks offense on his back. He has been rushing for at least 100 yards every time he's been a starter and over a touchdown every single time. So this guy is single-handedly carrying this Seahawks offense and you also have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant. So you have great players on this offense. This Seahawks team, although they're not the most flashiest, although they're not the most highlight-worthy offense, they have what it takes to get it done week after week, and they're getting it done with the wins on the scoreboard. And this defense, I'm surprised how quickly this defense has turned from bottom to near the top of the league. We we know in the past couple of years with Russell Wilson in the helm, the only reason why they weren't able to make the playoffs is the defense kind of just let up so many points, the defense were able to get stops. But now, it's almost a 180 where the defense is what's holding the Seahawks team in the game. You have Condre Diggs, who has been turning out phenomenally throughout the years. Tariq Woolen has put up a really, really huge fight for Defensive Rookie of the Year, too. And Ryan Neal has also stepped up for this secondary for the Seahawks. So this Seahawks team, really all around. What are your thoughts about the Seahawks right now? Um, Honestly, I think we mentioned it last, last episode, but this defense, these rookies, have just been like nothing short of exceptional. Um, Tariq Woolen, I want to say he's very, very close to touching Sauce Gardner for Defensive Rookie of the Year, but Sauce Gardner looks really good too. Um, Tariq Woolen is definitely the number two candidate though in that category, and I think that he's nothing short of a superstar for this defense in the future. I think that they found something with their two draft picks in him and Kenneth Walker that are going to be prevalent to be just such good picks for the time being and into the future. Oh, definitely, yeah. 
And let's move on to the last segment of our episode today. The halfway point in the NFL is right now. And let's look back to our award predictions. So we did it around week two, week one. And who's your offensive player of the year? Currently, I have to say that the most impactful offensive player on any team so far for me has been Saquon Barkley. I feel like without his presence on the field, this team would definitely have a losing record because of his dominance and just his ability to switch up the field and change the dynamic of the offense. I think that's the reason why the Giants are succeeding so much, and that's why I have him as the Offensive Player of the Year. My Offensive Player of the Year goes to the wide receiver from the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill. This guy is on pace to break Calvin Johnson's single-season receiving record. This guy has already 1,100 yards on the season and it's only the halfway point in the NFL. So this guy is just phenomenal. This guy has been carrying the offense for Miami and there's just no- nothing else to say about Tyreek Hill. We all know what he can do. He's probably the fastest wide receiver in the NFL and he's making the most of it right now. Now who would you say is your defensive player of the year? Now this is where things get interesting. It's not biased, I swear. But Matthew Judon has been on its hair. He's a sack leader currently, and it's by a good margin, too. 11.5 sacks, although they are heading into their bye week this week. The next up, I believe, is Nick Nick Bosa with 8.5. He's been on a tear as of recently, and it's not only through the sacks. He's also been dominating through pressures and just getting to the quarterback and affecting passes as well. It's just such a dynamic player for this Patriots defense, and I really think the heart and soul of it as well. My defensive player of the year still remains the same from week two. I still have Micah Parsons. I know what you said about Matthew Judon. He's been great, but Micah Parsons, I know he hasn't been getting the sacks, but he's the reason why there's a lot of pressure for the quarterbacks whenever the Cowboys play them. He's a big reason why this Cowboys defense is top five in the league. He's getting double teamed every game, and him creating so much pressure, it's just there's nothing to be said. He's creating plays with sacks. He's creating plays in coverage too. So Micah Parsons, he's been getting it done. That's my defensive player of the year. Who do you have as your offensive rookie of the year? This is a little tough for me, but I wanted to sway away from maybe the popular belief because of Kenneth Wa- that of Kenneth Walker. Although he has been so effective as of recent, he did start his like stretch into the season a little bit. I think that someone who's not been who's been maybe a bit more consistent is Garrett Wilson of the New York Jets. I feel like he's been just like the main number one target for this team in being that role as a rookie. It's not something that comes lightly. His experience, he looks like a veteran out there, to say the least. Like, the plays that he's making on these, like, all-pro all corners and such, it's just something that you love to see as a Jets fan, especially coming from your rookie. And I think that picking him number 10 overall is really paying off for this team. Garrett Wilson has been playing great so far, but Kenneth Walker the second has been on another level right now. Since he stepped in as a starter, this guy's been averaging over 100 yards per game and a touchdown. And I just don't see that stopping anytime soon. This guy is single-handedly carrying the Seahawks to wins after wins after wins. He is the engine that makes the offense work for the Seahawks. And because of that, Kenneth Walker II is my Offensive Rookie of the Year. And who's your Defensive Rookie of the Year? I mentioned this in the podcast earlier. Although Tariq Willen's having such a fantastic year. And you could even throw Jack Jones' name in there. I think it's really just a one-man race. His sauce garden has just been a lockdown corner. Not only a, like is uh, eligible, I feel like, the favorite for Defensive Rookie of the Year, but may even stretch into the, like, the Defensive Player of the Year com- conversation. And as a rookie, that's just amazing. 
I did choose Aiden Hutchinson as my defensive rookie of the year in when we first did this, but that has quickly changed because Sauce Gardner has been playing at such an elite level where there's no one else in the rookie class that can touch him. Um, I made a statement in week two where I said Aiden Hutchinson is going to rack up the sacks. He's going to do more on the box score. That's just going to show more. But I still said Sauce Gardner had a chance, but it was just going to be underrated because it just he wasn't able to prove anything up on the box score. But he has. He's been proving me wrong. He's been racking interceptions now. He's, you know, past deflections. All the box score metrics that you could put on the on a cornerback, he's been putting it up. So because of that, there's just nothing else I can say. Sauce Gardner, also my defensive rookie of the year. And comeback player of the year, I'm not sure if that changed for you, but I still have Saquon Barkley as my comeback player of the year. Now, it really ha- it, it, it has changed, but not in the perspective that you may think. I think Saquon's been so fantastic, and that's why I have him as my offensive player of the year. But I can't see him winning two awards, so I'm going to select someone di- someone different for this award now. And I think that the comeback player of the year, I'm going to select Christian McCaffrey because I think that when the, when the Niners come back from their bye week, I think that he's really going to take off and show his dominance. Like, he has yet to really be on a contending team. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take away. Obviously, he was there for the, like, the late prime of Cam Newton, but I don't really count that as a contending team. Now with this offense surrounded by just many, many, many good pieces and just ho- I'm hopeful that his impact with the 49ers can lead them farther in the playoffs. And so I think I'm gonna, I'm going to select him for my comeback player of the year. Interesting. I don't know. I think Saquon Barkley, he's just been putting up so much stats, so much rushing guys. He's just that engine for the Giants team. I just don't see him winning. I just don't see anyone else winning the comeback player of the year with the way he's just having a great season. It's almost like he's back to his rookie form. I see that as well. Also, I wanted to mention, although not in the conversation, I think Nick Bosa is having a tremendous season as well, coming back as well. But oh, that's definitely, not going to yeah. be talked about. Oh, I mean, he does have a great... If there's a if there's a comeback player of the year for defense, I definitely would say Nick Bosa would be up there. But it's usually headed more to the offensive for sure, side. For sure. so because of that, I'm still sticking with Saquon Barkley. Coach of the year. This one could be a really toss-up between so many different teams. But for me, you just, you just have to give your respect to this team right now and that is the Philadelphia Eagles they're still the only undefeated team in the NFL and Nick Sirianni he is my coach of the year just you just have to give your props to him he's been helping this Eagles team so much last year they were in the playoffs but they got bounced pretty heavily by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know they got blown out but this year with the addition of AJ Brown and with all the players you gotta shout out the coach to making them run plays making them all one unit and making them successful. So because of that, I'm giving it to Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm not going to discredit this Philadelphia Eagles team, but if you see the teams that they've played, they've done their job in their respective remarks because I think that every team that they've played, they should have beat so far. And while it is a very, very good um, thing that they are 8-0, I think that there really hasn't been a team that really stood a challenge in their way, like a really competitive team in that remark. Um, the, I, I don't want to just start hating on them, <laughs> the, but um, I honestly, I had my coach of the year as Sean McDermott in the beginning of the year, and I honestly don't think I want to change it. They're still toward the top of the AFC, and the Bills are just looking magnificent, of course. When healthy, we don't know the questions surrounding Josh Josh Allen right now. May have an injury to his elbow, but we'll see how that goes. But for now, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep it as Sean McDermott. The Eagles, I mean, 
they did play the Vikings in Week 2, and we know the Vikings right now. They're 7-1. and one. They're one of the better teams. And the Eagles held Justin Jefferson to his worst game of the season. So, I mean, I think that's all coaching play right there, the way that they're able to make adjustments and hold down Justin Jefferson to, well, only like 20 yards on the game. So, it's, he did, they did play great teams. They also beat the Cowboys, which have been looking phenomenal as well. And it was the highlight, well, their defense. The Cowboys defense was the highlight of their season right now. And what did they do? They just to completely demolish the Cowboys defense. They just make them look like one of the worst defenses in the league. You're gonna make me look bad, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say some things again. Um, it, it, Cooper Rush was in it was in at quarterback, so under the defense of what I was saying, they were not at full strength. But as you said, their defense has been so impactful for the Cowboys, along with the Vikings. We know the Vikings are so good, and we'll see in a second why I think that they're that good. But it is prime time, cousins. So, well, <laughs> yeah. All right, and let's move on to the MVP, the most coveted player. Who is your MVP? My MVP, after watching last night's or two nights ago's game, has to go to Patrick Mahomes. I think he's doing so many things for his ball club and just nothing short of exceptional. I think that he should get recognized. I hope voter fatigue does not play a factor because he. I really think that he's deserving of this award. So, yeah, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, very indeed deserving of the award, but... I just think this player has just been playing on another level. He's been doing it all. And there's just no way this guy does not win it this year. The new Josh Allen. This guy single-handedly carrying the Bills offense right now. He's doing everything. He's making Stefan Diggs look like one of the most best players in the entire league. I mean, credit to Stefan Diggs. He's a great player. He was my offensive player of the year in week two. But mostly because Josh Allen has been making plays for him. He's just been doing it all. There's no reason why Josh Allen should not be able to get this award. And I also think the Bills are going to have the best record in the AFC. So my pick, Josh Allen. Yeah, and if I were to add just real quick, if anyone is to beat Patrick Mahomes in this category, I think it would be Josh Allen. So I think those two are just miles ahead of every other, just not quarterback, but any other player in that regard for sure. Definitely. And let's finish it off. We're at the halfway point. So we've seen a lot of NFL. We've seen a lot of teams. We see how each team plays. So who's your Super Bowl winner right now? This is going to be bad. I know you're going to heavily disagree with this, but I have seen something with this team last week that I didn't see previously. And I want to say that the Minnesota Vikings are going to head to the Super Bowl and win because I think that Kirk Cousins is now in a situation where he has everything he needs and I'm expecting him to meet meet the expectations. I know that's tough to say because he's not done that in, to, in his entire career, but really, if there's any time for him to win the Super Bowl, it would be now with a solidified wide receiver one, tight end one, RB one. In fact, all three of those players, top five at their respective positions as well. I think that this team really has everything going for them. Maybe defense, they they may not be the best defense, but they do have players that have been in competitive scenarios before, like Harrison Smith, like Danielle Hunter, Daniel Hunter. And so I think that this team really does have the possibility of making and winning the Super Bowl, and I'm going to select them to do so. I know it's a surprise pick, but I think that... I don't know. The AFC teams, one of them is going to have to lose and eventually meet the NFC team in the in the um, championship. So I'm. I, it's definitely going to be a battle for sure. These AFC teams are just built differently. I mean, whoever comes down the AFC is, 
I would say are going to win the Super Bowl. You just have too many tough teams in the AFC to not get it done. But my team that's going to win it all, Miami Dolphins are my Super Bowl pick. Let me explain to you why. Tyreek Hill has been playing so great. He's on pace to break the record. And he's just one of the fastest players in the NFL. There's, there's no defense that can contain him. Defensive coordinators have nightmares trying to contain him. They're staying up all night trying to scheme how they can stop Tyreek Hill. And then on top of that, you have Jalen Waddle, who is, I think, top five, maybe top seven in the NFL in terms of receiving yards. Jalen Waddle is on pace to have 1,500 receiving yards as well in this season. So you have Tyreek Kill on pace to break Megatron's record with 2,000 rushing yards. Then Jalen Waddle on pace for 1,500 um, 1, receiving yards. Those two single-handedly are having so much impact on the field. And that's minus without Mike Kosicki. And Tua Tagovailoa has been playing so phenomenal right now for this Miami Dolphins team. And with the speedsters on the two ends, right, with Tyreek Kill, Jalen Waddle, you could put them deep, you could put them short. And that's just going to cause so much havoc because they're so fast, it's really hard to tackle them. Then you also have the great one-two punch with Raheem Moser, Jeff Wilson. One's a really great power back, we talked about this last episode, I'm not going to get too deep into it. So we all know what this offense can do. And we talked about it again last week. The defense, the defense, they have added so many great additions with now Bradley Chubb, a great pass rusher. And I think the secondary still needs some work, I would say, but I think the secondary is going to come through when it needs most. So give me the Miami Dolphins as the Super Bowl winner this year. I did want to add one thing. Tua Tagovailoa this year when he starts and finishes the game is undefeated. So if he remains healthy, I can very well see this team being a contender for the Super Bowl. So, yeah, to your point, I agree as well. And that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check on Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hounsou Chiu, along with Kaden Mutemid, and we'll see you next time.